0: There's a constant frustration that the common narrative is that there's one path to a cleaner climate, and that's this narrow path through electrification. Today, propane is almost half as clean as the electric grid of today.
1: This is EnergyCast, and I'm Jay Downhower. Today we are talking about propane, the fuel that could have a much bigger role than our backyard cookout. My guest represents the propane industry and says we could have greater reliability, cost savings, and environmental benefits if we use more of it. So let's start with what propane is. Commonly referred to as liquefied petroleum gas, propane is stored as a liquid, but vaporizes at room temperature. Environmentally, it has a global warming potential of three compared to methane and natural gas, which is 27. Propane has been historically produced from crude oil refining, but by 2011, more than half of the propane in the United States was produced from natural gas. The U.S. produces and consumes more propane than any other country. Still, my guest gives examples where other countries rely more heavily on the fuel for transportation, for instance. And that brings us to the big questions. What's new with propane? Will we see more fleets make the switch? Will propane power more fuel cells? And what about renewable propane? Is there a cost-effective and sustainable solution for making propane similar to biodiesel or landfill gas? My guest shares that and much more, fulfilling Propane's Promise. My guest today is Tucker Perkins, President and CEO of the Propane Education and Research Council, a nonprofit based in Washington. The council was founded in 1996. Tucker's been with the group since 2016 and has spent most of his career in the propane industry. I was interested to learn more about where propane might fit in an everything, everywhere, all the time energy sector. Certainly, there's more to propane than gas grills, right? It turns out there is. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tucker Perkins. With Tucker Perkins, president CEO of the Propane Education and Research Council. And Tucker, first question why propane
0: you know that's a story that a lot of people ask when you need energy you're beyond the natural gas mains you need reliable energy you need clean energy 50 million people in america turn to propane today for their gas grills but almost a million farmers turn to propane and it's been the fuel of choice for a lot of material handling there are just so many places that propane is used primarily beyond the gas main but as we look to have some of these transportation options in deep urban
1: areas like ports and transportation hubs and so when they do go head to head how does propane compare with gasoline or natural gas is it more energy efficient what are some of the benefits if you do have propane and you have gasoline and you have natural gas right
0: Well, I might want to at least start with propane against diesel fuel. We think about transportation, at least. We think about the two primary fuels, either gasoline or diesel for the medium-duty world. And we don't really particularly play in the gasoline space for passenger cars. We do, from time to time, work with fleets that are high mileage and perhaps high idle. Fleets like police fleets, some rescue, taxis, limos. Our aim is mainly in medium-duty fleets where diesel is used. And anywhere diesel is being used today, whether it's to power a vehicle, to power a generator, to power an electricity device in your home, propane is quite a bit cleaner. Cleaner to store, cleaner to use, cleaner to dispose of, much cleaner when the emissions profile. Propane is generally cleaner than diesel and gasoline when used, when burned, certainly when stored. We don't contaminate soil, groundwater like gasoline or diesel can. It's one reason UPS chose propane a long time ago is just how easy it is to store. When you make that comparison to natural gas, in many ways, we're similar. Today, almost all the propane in the United States comes from cleaning up, if you will, natural gas. But the one difference between propane and natural gas is natural gas contains methane, unburned methane is a pretty harsh greenhouse gas propane does not contain methane and so propane is like natural gas from a chemistry standpoint but we don't have that methane component so we're very easy on the environment when it comes to climate the last thing the difference between propane and natural gas natural gas is in fact a gas propane is usually stored as a liquid burn it as a liquid, or we might burn it as a vapor. So because it's a liquid, it's so easy to store, transport, and use. It's a little bit friendlier, if you will,
1: in engines or some of these new applications that we see choosing propane. Yeah. When you compare it to natural gas, and I'm thinking of this a lot with maybe home heating and also for cooking, the gas is already hooked up to your home. It's a never-ending supply where I assume propane needs to be delivered and put into a tank. That ease of use case is typically why a customer may stick with only natural gas. So what would you say to that scenario? I think I would agree with you. It's interesting. Propane is one of the few
0: fuels that are not delivered just in time, right? The electric grid is in fact just in time. You have a wire to your house, electrons flow. When you turn something on, it's a just-in-time system. Natural gas is the exact same way. A vast labyrinth of pipes across this country delivering natural gas to your home is a just-in-time delivery system. And most people will choose natural gas if it's available to them because the pipe is easy, it's very efficient. Natural gas is usually quite inexpensive compared to a basket of other fuels. Propane is in fact stored in tanks, perhaps above ground, perhaps underground. But as we start talking now about moving to a richer electrical society, we think about stored energy. One of the unique things for me with propane is to begin to plant that image of stored energy in your propane tank. It's one of the few stored energy systems. And so if you are worried about an ice storm, you can have enough fuel to last through the ice storm. But yet you're correct. We store it in tanks. You're right. There is always a tank stored. It's delivered on a regular basis. Some industries perhaps get a delivery every day. Some customers may not get a delivery, but once a year. It just depends on your individual situation about how you get a delivery.
1: You mentioned that most propane is now a derivative of natural gas. I think in the past it was mainly from oil refining, was it not? It has been an
0: interesting transformation. When I started in this business, 30 years ago, as you said, most of the propane came from processing crude oil, and a lot of that crude oil was actually imported, whether it was imported from around the world or Canada. Today, essentially, all of the propane comes from processing natural gas and its domestic fuel. As I'm quick to say, there is nothing good that's come out of this invasion of Ukraine by Russia, but as we begin to think now about things that we didn't think about two years ago, like energy security, energy independence, it's comforting to know that all of the propane that we use is found right here in America. In fact, we are the world's largest producer of propane by far. And all of Central America, most of South America, quite a bit of Asia and Europe have come to rely on our propane from the U.S. and it's all coming from cleaning up natural gas.
1: Would it surprise us to know that there may be some regions or countries where propane is more prevalently used? I think you always hear stories about, I think South Africa was using coal for diesel or things like that that surprise you. So where around the world is there a really interesting propane success story?
0: Well, it's interesting. I'm surprised
1: sometimes. I mean... Turkey is a country that the
0: transportation system is heavily relying on propane. Poland and that part of Europe, propane is a standard fuel in transportation for taxis. And and even Japan, I mean, the taxi cab that was the official taxi cab for the Olympics was a propane hybrid taxi produced by Toyota. You think about parts of the world They are heavily reliant on propane. I see things going on in the country of Chile powering the fishing fleet. In our fishing fleet, primarily gasoline or diesel, their fishing fleet is primarily propane. You mentioned Africa and I would say it is a project of my friends around the world to try to move Africa from burning wood, charcoal, animal dung to burning low-carbon fuels like propane. And it is the transformation for health and women's equity. It's amazing. These ladies spend their entire day foraging for fuel, tending fires, and as we migrate them to a propane cook stove, first off, something on the order of two million lives are at risk annually from indoor air pollution, we begin to make a significant dent in that story. And that's a real positive event. We also empower these women to become so much stronger in their community because they're no longer foraging for food, fuel, or fire. Now cooking a meal takes 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes at night. Yeah, you look around the world, America uses more propane, but almost every country in the world has a strong reliance on propane. And it's especially rewarding to see what we're doing in a lot of the developing countries, Indonesia, Africa, that whole continent, as we begin to think about propane producing power, producing food, hot
1: water, controlling limited telecommunications. It's a great story. Sure. And so this idea of the price of propane, similar to the price of oil, the price of natural gas. At the time of this recording, we're still dealing with the invasion of Ukraine, right? We're still seeing that. It might be a silly question, but is it directly affected by the price of crude, the price of natural gas? Is there some other market dynamic in place we're not aware of? Well, it is interesting if you step away from just propane for a second, and think about the energy complex
0: in general. Crude oil tends to have a worldwide price. and You would think the value of a BTU worldwide would be about the same, but it's not that way at all. Crude oil in Europe right now is quite a bit higher than crude in America. Natural gas in Europe is significantly higher than natural gas in America, but propane tends to follow the price of gasoline, albeit at a much lower point. I kind of look at the prices over the last 50, 60 years, and with no exceptions, propane has always been cheaper than gasoline or diesel, and the spikes are not nearly as severe, right? You think about the Arab oil embargoes, you think about the different price shocks we've had to gasoline over the last decades. You don't really see that with propane, particularly as we have so much supply in the U.S. It does tend to follow directionally with gasoline or diesel fuel, but nowhere near the spikes. In fact, I don't usually talk about price, but it's been really interesting to see a lot of the fleets. We have a lot of school bus fleets in every state, something over a thousand fleets using propane for school transportation. And over the last two months, I've seen 20 or 30 of them talk about how thankful they are that they're using propane because their prices are well under, I'll just use the number I've seen a couple times, $2 a gallon, while their diesel fleets could be $4 or $5 a gallon. So always cheaper than, but generally directionally with gasoline.
1: Yeah. And so when you say cheaper, obviously on a BTU to BTU basis, right? How do you measure propane as a fuel. To a, to what a
0: fleet guy. manager, we always talk about cost per mile.
1: It's very normal for us to see propane be
0: literally half the cost per mile of their diesel fleets. On a BTU basis, pretty competitive with natural gas, strangely very competitive with electricity, and somewhat cheaper than diesel and gasoline. When you mentioned
1: fleets, you mentioned UPS, I assume you're talking about their trucks. Tell us about that conversion and what's involved in converting a fleet to propane. I
0: think they represent fleets of the future in that they don't dominate in one fuel as they think about their class eight trucks that deliver packages up and down the interstate into your neighborhood. They have their tentacles into battery electric vehicles and the LNG, CNG, which is natural gas, propane, and of course, diesel, gasoline, and probably hydrogen as well. In our case, they have a strong commitment in the package vehicles to propane, both in in America and Canada. And I think they were quoted once as saying it's probably the easiest migration they had to another fuel because almost everything we talk about with somebody like that is a factory OEM solution, right? It's done by the producer of their vehicles. The installation of the infrastructure is so easy.
1: Sure, and you mentioned some of the other transportation fuels. And when it comes to that fleet vehicles, as you said, seem to make the most sense. They're uniquely suited to adopt these new technologies because they're fleet vehicles. It's a little bit more predictable, right? We
0: don't really advocate for passenger transportation because as laugh my mother asked me once about what should she drive. And I'm like, you drive three thousand miles a year. So whether you choose to drive a Hummer or a Tesla, you're really not going to make much of a difference to the environment. A a commercial vehicle can easily drive 100,000 miles a year, can easily be on with the engine either going down the highway or idling 16 hours a day. And that's where if we really begin to think about making a positive impact on the environment, then moving away from some of the more harmful fuels like gasoline or diesel to some of the more beneficial fuels like propane, that's a positive. Step for the environment. It's also a really positive step, and I love to talk about UPS because we think about the cost of package delivery. We all want our packages to be delivered today. We want a reliable fuel, and we want it to be as cheap as possible. And that's where we really see that propane begins to make a strong argument because the cost per mile to the fleet owner. And that translates to cheaper packages, lower cost for your school systems. In fact, the fun study we did, if we converted all of the diesel school buses to propane, we would have saved enough money on the fuel alone to put 23,000 new teachers into the classroom. It begins to give you a sense of the savings that are possible by making this switch improving the environment
1: but then what you do with that money is so important yeah no doubt but when it comes to the options for fleet operators let's talk about the alternatives you got propane hydrogen for fuel cells i guess compressed natural gas and evs right so it's a crowded field here so where do you think propane fits best Well, I definitely think
0: propane fits best where vehicles care about payload and range. That would be our claim to fame. If they want to improve their emissions and they improve their ESG scores, but yet they have material concerns around payload and range. That's the fleet that we want to have think about migrating from diesel, gasoline to propane. Good examples of that would be school buses, right? Big payload, range, Paratransit, those vehicles that you see in your neighborhood that perhaps are taking people to and from the doctor, to and from nursing homes, and that's a heavily subsidized piece. We've had tremendous adoption in paratransit choosing propane because they have real concerns about range. Today they drove 100 miles, tomorrow they may drive 300 miles. They have to have uptime, and the cost of service is critical because it's generally subsidized by the community. That's the fleet we're looking for, payload and range, but then a strong commitment to care about the lowest operating cost and their environmental footprint.
1: Yeah, looking toward the future, Tucker, we've been hearing a lot about ways to make renewable natural gas, things like biodiesel from bio waste, green hydrogen from renewable energy is another example. Other than natural gas and crude oil, right? Is there a way to make a green propane?
0: Yeah, it's funny. Had you asked me that question five years ago, I would have had a materially different answer. I believe if you had asked me that question six months ago, I would have said, yes, we're going to make renewable propane, but I would have had a different perspective than I have today. We've been studying this deeply for about five years. We do this with our partners around the world because propane supply is a worldwide thing. Now we have great confidence, actually, that 50% of the world supply for Every use of propane could come from a renewable source as early as 2040. And in places like California, where we see this tremendous migration to really wanting to get to carbon zero, we'll make the statement in California that 100% of your supply can be renewable sourced propane by 2030. There probably was a day when those were aspirational statements those are statements today that are backed up by investments that are being made. You talk yourself about renewable diesel, sustainable aviation fuel. Each one of those facilities make renewable propane in their process. So we see this tremendous migration towards renewable fuels. But I will tell you, just in the last month, we've made one announcement and then a second announcement is soon to be made on really unique renewable propane facilities that are using unique crops, unique processes, and come to the market with a fuel that is carbon neutral. And again, five, six years ago, I think that statement would have been something about, well, we're in a lab, we're in a pilot plant, but now we begin to see that these are Achievable at scale and achievable at a cost you are eager to pay, not willing to pay, you're eager to pay. And so, yeah, this whole migration to renewable fuels and particularly renewable propane is a great
1: story of innovation. Sure. And mainly, how is it done? Is it like landfill gas, you're able to get propane from it? Well, interesting you mentioned that. I mean, I think that's one of the things we think about
0: is there are multitudes of sources to make renewable fuels, but I think each for that landfill gas, I tend to believe that will primarily be where we get renewable natural gas from. It's an easy conversion. If we were listening to you today, they laugh because for the last 100 years, dairy farmers have wondered what they could do with dairy manure. And today, dairy manure is one of the most elegant sources of making both renewable natural gas and some renewable propanes. Tremendous benefit to the environment as we, A, capture that, And then be reuse it into a renewable fuel we tend to look more today at animal fats and oils used cooking oil but as we begin to look to the future we're using more non-food type plants cover crops that plant easily don't require a lot of water turn easily from a plant into renewable propane look there are so many projects that are just around the corner I've started working now with the oceans group that have been growing kelp and algae for carbon capture, and now we start to work with groups like that as we think about how to easily convert those products into energy in the form of renewable propane. So that field has come from zero to a hundred over the last two or three years. And we're deeply engaged really on every continent with solutions. And in many cases, it's a different solution, a different solution in Africa than it is in Europe, a different solution in Asia than it is in America. As we think about this variety of feedstocks and a variety of processes but it's
1: always to make low carbon fuels, if not zero carbon fuels. Right. How much discussion is there with propane in fuel cells? I know that fuel cells can use methanol, right? What's the story there? That's a great question. And I think, again, if you had asked me this
0: question five years ago, I would have had a materially different answer today. Today, you can buy two or three different brands of fuel cells that operate on propane. Almost all of them today are solid oxide fuel cells. A lot of the rockets that you see launching now are using actually propane as part of the Rocket fuel, in fact, a lot of that today is renewable propane as part of that rocket fuel. So today, a lot of the telecom is backed up with fuel cells. And as we go more and more to an electrified society and we think about battery storage to provide resilience to batteries, a propane-powered fuel cell is kind of the generator, if you will, the backup generator of the future. Don't know that we're there yet for transportation, even though we talk about it some, but to actually get a fuel cell in today's environment, to have it ruggedized enough to handle the bumps and jolts of transportation, we're not there, but certainly, for residential backup, for telecom backup, for some mobile applications like forklifts, we're seeing it. And great companies, companies whose names you know and follow them, they're putting great emphasis on propane-powered fuel cells as we think about the future.
1: Yeah. And so (laughs) I'm a big proponent of the idea of everything, everywhere, all the time, right? That's a big reason that I wanted to do this podcast because I feel like, you know, only a few energy sources are really getting any of the attention. But this idea that propane is out there, maybe it's being underutilized. Where do you, with the Propane Education and Research Council, where would you like to see propane more prevalent like today?
0: Well, I'm going to start by making this statement. One, we have a couple guiding principles, but one of our principles today is that clean and renewable energy like propane accelerates decarbonization. And I think for me, there's a constant frustration that a lot of the narrative, the common narrative, is that there's one path to a cleaner climate, and that's this narrow path through electrification. People seem to think about or forget about that electricity is generated by something transported and used. And today, that's not necessarily a very low-carbon achievement, right? In fact, today... Propane is almost half again as clean as the electric grid of today. I always start by saying the story. I went to Hawaii as a guest of the gas companies there to just to talk about the future of low carbon fuels like propane and natural gas. And one of the things I did while I was there was toured quite a few of their facilities. And on the way to see Pearl Harbor, I stopped at the port of Hawaii. Now you can imagine how important. The port of Hawaii is, and you can imagine how valuable a clean climate is in Hawaii. And as we pulled towards the gate, I said, "Hey, just stop here for just a moment. And just want to kind of look at the flow of traffic and the flow of commerce in and out of the port." And it was astonishing to me how much of that port was operating on diesel fuel and gasoline when it should have been operating on propane. So. You asked me a question about where do I see propane should be used in a country that we are rightly concerned about the environment. We're rightly concerned about our health. We're rightly concerned about the costs of the solutions that are in front of us to use propane where we are using diesel today. We have technologies that exist. We would see a tremendous decrease in our carbon footprints. We would see an even more tremendous increase in the ability to have clean air and healthy children as we cut particulate matter and NOx emissions. And we would see that our costs decreased. So for me, it's about continuing to see propane used in these transportation options where we use diesel to get it away from backup generators that are currently on diesel, and then to continue to directly use it in the places that we use it where it's so efficient, on the farm for drying grain, in your home for heating water and cooking and heating your house when it's cold. Those are the places that immediately come to mind that even skip ahead 20 or 30 years and think about technology as it will evolve. Those technologies I just mentioned, they will still be the right technologies for moving commerce, for heating water, for cooking
1: your food, and for heating when it's cold. All right, Tucker, I'm gonna finish with a lightning round of your thoughts on different energy technologies, starting with natural gas. Ubiquitous,
0: everywhere today does so many things in the future, certainly produce power and still be the backbone of America. Crude oil. On its way out, dirty, powers the world and will always be around, but diminishing in importance. Nuclear. The cleanest carbon-free source of power we'll ever see, but not very well appreciated by consumers. Coal, and I'll add coal with carbon capture. Coal or coal with carbon capture, either one. Dirty, expensive, not the right fuel for the environment. Wind. Coming on, hard to harness, harder to store, but certainly a part of the future energy mix. Solar. Solar. Same story. I think about solar. It's such a great fuel, but again, I think about it more in partnership with other fuels, but certainly a part of the future energy mix. Biofuels. Certainly part of the future energy mix. Hydroelectric. Wish we could have more. Don't see us building more power plants as clean as it gets today, but we have what we have and we won't have much more. Geothermal. Expensive, but if you can afford the installation and the maintenance, a great source of energy. Energy storage. Transition, because I'm quick to say the battery of today looks nothing like the battery two decades from today. We're short lithium, we're short cobalt. we got a lot of issues with those current materials, but we have to have energy storage if we're going to move to an electrified society.
1: Energy efficiency.
0: Critical. We never talk enough about conservation and efficiency. Every investment we do is guided by efficiency. So, critical to continue to think about more efficient appliances and also to think about something very few people ever talk about, conservation of energy. And then finally, fusion power. Well, I'm a technologist, so I want to believe that technology will prevail. There are some smart people who believe we're one step away
1: from fusion, but we have been that way for a long time. I would end with the word maybe hope so. All right. Tucker Perkins, Propane Education and Research Council. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you so much. What a pleasure to be with you.
1: That was Tucker Perkins, president and CEO of the Propane Education and Research Council, a nonprofit based in Washington, D.C. You heard Tucker mention Turkey as a country particularly dependent on propane. And to prove it, I went to Turkey. (laughs) Just kidding. My wife, Ashley, and I went to Turkey for our annual anniversary trip. And sure enough, propane was on the board at most gas stations. And as Tucker promised, it was about half of what gasoline and diesel costs. I want to thank Tucker for his time, as well as Blanca Piera at Legendary Podcast, for setting this up. You can find plenty of pictures for this episode at energy-cast.com as well as on Instagram and Parler at Host Energy and Twitter at Host Energy Cast. All guests are sent the raw and completed audio the week of release. So far, no complaints. Be sure to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That gets the word out. Music was produced by Sean Stroop at Stroop Loops. That wraps up episode 141. Be sure to join us next week when we see how Canada is codifying carbon capture. Until then, I'm Jay Downhower. We'll see you next time.